A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. All right, welcome back to Watch Less, Complex's podcast about TV and movies. You know what we're doing over here. We're watching movies. We're watching TV. And we're talking about this shit. It's your boy Cal, deputy editor here at Complex for Pop Culture. Uh, the homie Fraser Tharp is on the line as well. Yes, sir. The senior editor, Summerman. How you doing, bro? Holding up. Yeah, the usual. Still, uh, still on quarantine, but nothing stops. We literally just dropped an episode with Issa Rae on Monday. Facts. I mean, we had to. Like, that happened. I forgot how much of a, like, storm, a timeline storm Insecure is. I'm, I'm glad you say that, because I know when you started watching the screeners, you were hype. Yeah, but it's one, again, were- like, it's one of those things where it's like, damn, it's not always that fun to watch in a vacuum, because you want to be, like, in the weeds with people debating it and shit. Big facts. And that's why I'm still, I'm, I'm amazed that people are like, yo, Game of Thrones, it's gone. There's no other shows that are going to take over the timeline. It's like, have you have y'all seen what happens when uh when Issa steps out the building? Facts. Mayhem. But yeah, if you haven't listened to that, pause what you're doing here. Go listen. Make sure you watch the season four premiere. I can't stress this enough. We're operating in spoiler territory in that situation. So watch that. Listen to that podcast, and then listen to this episode. We've got a uh, very special guest on this week, Joe Pantoliano. Joey Pants. Joey Pants. I mean, he might not be a name that's like, oh my God, Joe. But like, if you watch The Sopranos, you know Ralph Cifaretto. Or The Matrix, you know Cypher. Exactly. You know Teddy from Memento. He was in The Goonies. The, like, you know how long ago The Goonies came out? Big legend. You don't, not many people, like you mentioned The Sopranos, but, and he's Ralph in The Sopranos, but Joey Pants itself is like a, a cool, like, mob name. Facts. Like, Big not facts. many people have that to their name, you know? At all. It's funny, because he had that. It was, again, he's been working, I believe, since, like, 74. Still active today. Still making stuff. But uh, I forgot. By the time I saw Memento, I think Memento's the first time I was really like, damn, this man, he can act. He ain't just acting. He can act. But it's like, it's a tumble of, like, The Matrix had come out around the same time. Then he really starts lighting it up on The Sopranos, won a whole Emmy for what he did on that show. Like, uh, guy's a threat. He, when he's on the bill, you know it's about to be a problem. Fans of our audience might notice him or recognize him best as playing Captain Howard in the Bad Boys series. Uh, it's the reason we got him on the horn today. The highest grossing film of 2020 so far has already hit uh, Blu-ray on demand, digital, all that type of stuff. So it's out. If you didn't check it out in theaters, kind of played yourself. I mean, at the rate that 2020 is going in terms of movie pushbacks in theaters, uh, Bad Boys for Life could arguably win Best Picture at the next Oscars. Facts. <laughs> it is It is the best film I've seen this year. No, not even trying to be funny. But it's, I mean, until the theaters get back on the level, like... This could be the highest grossing film until like November or something. Joey Pants getting that supporting actor award. If the Oscars has one gimme for Joey Pants, it's got to be that one. Um, but yeah, are you are you a fan of Joey Pants? Yeah, big time. So, I mean, you mentioned The Sopranos. I'm actually... So, The Sopranos is a show that I never... 
I remember it when it was on. So like we're talking like 98, 99 and shit. So it was always on in the background and I soaked it up. But yeah. I kept watching it live when it was appropriate for me. So Because you know, you're a child? No, no. So I'm saying like by the time we got to like, you know, season five with Steve Buscemi and Adriana, that's yes. when I was like super cognizant of it. But I'd never gone Gosh, back yeah. to the early seasons as an adult. So I want to do that mm. now, especially with all this like Ralph talk. Um, I think I'm going to do that. Yeah. I'll, what have you been watching? Like, what have you been using this time for? Like, are you catching up on shit or are you going back to like old shit that you always wanted to get to and never had the time to? A lot of it's old shit. Like, I'm I'm updating my uh, movie catalog. Like, I just watched Fresh from 94. Uh, old, old classic hood. It's, it's one of those like hood indie films that's kind of like drenched in the street life but also uh a little more uh heady a little more intellectual while still being uh pretty fucking ghetto a lot of memorable lines but yeah stuff <laughs> like that um i need to get back into i was watching twins peak heavy and then i kind of chilled when i started getting into season two um Damn, uh, the season two curse itching yeah i mean it's early though i'm maybe like three episodes in but the problem is is like i there's shit i need to watch like i need to get through westworld and i just I haven't taken uh, the plunge. Oh. oh wait, no. The other thing I've been watching a lot, Better Call Saul. I'm finally all the way caught up on that. Yeah, I need to do that. Yeah. Um, in terms of movies, I mean, we have the you know we call it late pass, but is it a late pass on quarantine? I don't know. Uh, I think at this point it's 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 a good time to catch up. So it's hard to say. My late pass this week was um, I watched Days of Thunder last night, which I'd never seen before. You you, you were amped. I fucked with it. I think it's um, so Top Gun came first, right? Yes. In the Tony Scott Tom Cruise collab, uh-huh. it's interesting that they linked back up and like kind of made a formula out of it. But I think Days of Thunder is a better movie than Top Gun. It's got more of a story. Yeah, Top Gun is just like a bunch of flying scenes with like the most like me and you could write. Yeah. The first Top Gun right now. Facts. <laughs> it's sad when I was watching. I was kind of like, yeah, there's not much here. Yeah, is that the um? Is that where Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman met as a resident old? Can you? I don't fill me in on that backstory. I was still kind of young at that point, so I'm, I I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised. I mean, that's when like Tom Cruise had some things under his belt, but it, I th- I think right. it's fair to say Top Gun was really that film that put him on the map in terms of being like a star. So I wouldn't be surprised if with all of that success and those accolades you know, the, the good graces of Nicole Kidman also came with that. It's also super fun. Just like, uh, plumbing his old eighties, nineties movies and seeing what he's still doing now. Like he's literally been like a 40 year, like a lister busting his own ass. Unlike Joey pants, who is a a phenomenal actor, probably been putting in more work than Tom Cruise. And it's kind of just like consistently been dope. You know, never, right. and and that's that's something. It's it's not not something that he shies away from. Like there was a, a Hollywood Reporter piece that came out earlier this year where he talks a lot about how like he was never somebody's first choice, especially for a lot of the big films that he did. Um, I think he said at one point he wanted when Batman Begins was coming out, he wanted Gary Oldman's role of a uh, Commissioner Gordon, and he didn't realize that Christopher Nolan wanted Gary Oldman first. So when Christopher Nolan gave him another role, he was kind of like, eh, I'm kind of chill. Like I, you know, I, I wish I could have been the first person to do that. The first choice you wanted for that role. 
but it's, it's it's like the story of his career, and it's it's been dope that he's been able to turn uh, some of these interesting ways of getting roles into really phenomenal work, like top tier, god level acting when he's in his zone. Thanks. So, uh, without further ado, you know, a couple of Jersey boys talking during a storm about uh, Bad Boys for Life, Joe's career, and you know, a little more, a little bit of everything. You get in this conversation with Joey Pants. Uh, you'll be able to check that out after this quick break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, what's up, Joe? How you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm Cal, and my, my partner Frazier is also on the line as well. How's it going, Joe? Hi, Frazier. Cal, like C-H, like Cali? Yes, correct. Correct. How you guys doing? Doing good. How about you? All right. How, how's it going? Well, you know, it's a beautiful, wet day. I'm in Connecticut, and um, we got a you know big storm coming through and very windy. So I'm worried, I'm worried about the trees. Yeah, I, I, I know you're from Hoboken. I'm in Jersey, and, and Frazier's in uh, New York. And it's definitely like I was. I did. We we got three Jersey guys on the line, but I didn't know if we were all experiencing this same like nasty weather or not today. So yes, we are. Is it? Is, where are you in Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Hamilton. I I grew up in Trenton, but I, I've been living in Hamilton for about gosh 18 years. It's like right in the middle, the middle of the state. And Frazier, you where are you in the city? Yeah, I'm in Brooklyn now, but uh, I grew up in Montclair. Yeah, so uh, it, it must be hard to get around in Brooklyn, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little weird. Grocery shopping is an adventure, but otherwise, it's okay. Yeah, I've, I've talked to a bunch of friends that having that trouble, you know, getting online, and we, we don't have any of that. You know, grocery shopping is pretty accessible here. Yeah, no no, no issues at all. It's I guess, is it a... Is it lesser population of people compared to the city i don't you know what it's it's just it's just restaurants are closed of course uh but uh, getting to the supermarket has, has been relatively unchanged some stuff is being desired more than others you're only allowed to have 30 percent or 20 percent occupancy but uh it's been easy yeah it's been easy how are you holding up otherwise you know, I've been doing a, getting a lot of work done. I got uh, you know three of my four adult children uh, are here with us, and so uh, we've we've been hanging out and having fun. And actually, I'm looking out the window and I can see I think a tree fell on our block because I can see the flashing lights. You know, it, it's pouring here. But but you know we we've been doing yard work. We've been doing stuff that I haven't been able to get my kids to do for years. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun i'm getting a lot of enjoyment out of it that's good that's good no no like work work stuff no reading scripts or anything like that yeah I've been re- you know i've been reading a couple of things i've been reading some old favorite books and watching a lot of turner movie classics oh man you sound like my dad 
Yeah, that's if we're at that age. I just like watching the old movies because I can't get jealous of anybody getting a good part. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, you know, speaking of reading scripts, um, what do you kind of look for in a project these days when something comes across your desk? You know, just want to hope that it, it holds your attention, you know, that, that the role is uh, interesting and that I could bring something to it that's uh, unique and different and uh, and then also who's, you know, who's a part of it, you know, who the, who the filmmakers and, you know, where is it shooting? You know, James Mason was famously quoted as saying that there were three reasons for an actor to do a job. And one was for the location, one was for the money, and one was for the part. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, he died a long time ago. So he, he has no idea that today nobody wants to pay anybody for anything. You know, so the, the income inequality has affected show business as much as it's affected everything else. It's become a microcosm. And so uh, so now that's why I don't do a lot of work anymore because it's got to be something I really care about. I mean, I, I sent a whole bunch of kids to college on movies I knew were going to be pieces of shit, but at least they were paying me well. <laughs> there you go. Well, I mean, well, I guess building off of that, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, bad boys for life, the way the world is right now, it's still crazy to me that that's the, uh, it's currently the highest grossing film of the year, you know, part of it's just because it was just the biggest thing to drop before life changed. Um, but, you know, going back to when you first heard about Captain Howard, you know, you talk about, you know, scripts being, you know, something has to pull you be unique. What was it about that initial bad boy script that drew you in? Well, I had done a series at NBC, was it? Well, was doing uh, Fresh Prince. And so I had met him at a couple of the social things, the, the network get-togethers. And, uh, and I, I liked him immensely. He was just a just incredible personality and great kid. And, and so, you know, I wanted to work with him. Uh, and I was a huge fan of Martin Lawrence's work, but I hadn't known him. And uh, it, it, it was a kind of fun change of pace for me. I think I'd just done The Fugitive had come out and was a big hit. Yes. Uh, so so uh, this was a nice alternative. And then, you know, I, of course, knew who Jerry Bruckheimer and, and, and uh, Don Simpson were, and, and they had an incredible track record. And, and uh, you know, this young man, Michael Bay, was doing videos and commercials, you know, a brand-new filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it was something I, you know, wanted to do. And we shoot in Florida, so how bad could that be? <laughs> now, 25 years later, did you ever think that the franchise would grow this big to a point where people are still clamoring for new films from you guys? No. I mean, I, I was just incredibly happy to see the chemistry of Will and Martin, how it's evolved. It's like, like a fine wine that has been treated carefully. And so what they had going on in this script was magnificent. And these young filmmakers did a hell of a job. You know, it's just the magic of it. It all came together and it, it's got everything. And the new kids, you know, the, the ammo team, just, you know, kind of classic. And uh, I'm handing off the reins to Paula Nunez and, you know, she's going to be a way sexier, sharper, <laughs> smarter captain. So, it was all good. Yeah. I'm just glad that the thing succeeded. Yeah, I, I know that was good. That was always the question that a lot of us had. But I knew once the 
once the first trailer for Bad Boys for Life came out, the the response that our audience and I think just like, you know, a lot of people have been waiting, what, 17 years in general, the audience was there and the audience was ready. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I'm a much more pessimistic. <laughs> you know, the glass is always half empty with me. So going to the Chinese theater and, and seeing uh, the audience reaction was just felt like a heavy weight lifted off. I was just blown away by it. Now, it had been so long since uh, Bad Boys 2 that I wasn't sure at first if you were going to be in this one, and I was really happy to see that you were back. And then, of course, we get that brutal twist about midway through the movie where you get taken out. Yeah, well, so was I happy to be back. So I was so happy to be back that I didn't even pay attention uh, to the other aspect, and it was a beautiful send-off. Mm-hmm. They did right by me. Yeah, they definitely did. I was... I was... You know, the, the thought about, you know, once you finish the film, it's like, okay, when are we getting a new one? When, you know, what's next? And my hope is that, you know, Captain Howard gets a nice send off, a nice memorial, you know, some type of scene, some type of a tribute to you uh, whenever we get another Bad Boys film. Yeah, no, you never know. You know, just all I got, I'll always have Paris. now in the time you know i mentioned earlier that it was like it was a good 17 years between the the two films you know bad boys for life getting made were you invested at all in there was always reports of multiple conversations and directors leaving and writers you know coming back and forth were you involved in any of those conversations when did you get integrated into uh, what's now become bad boys for life i you know i got a call from my agent barry three and a half years ago Okay. Around this time. And, you know, starting in September, they're doing it. They're going to do it. And uh, I said, okay. You know, and then and then they weren't doing it. And so that went on. So, yeah, we're doing it. And we're not doing it for three years. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so by the time they came back finally and said, yeah, we're doing it, I was like, yeah, you know, I just can't see that it's happening. You know, I just don't buy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you just don't have enough room in your heart to be let down that many times. So, I really didn't pay much attention to it until uh, it was like for real. Okay. How fun was it getting back into Captain Howard's skin? Because a core tenet of your character in these movies is just kind of screaming your head off and looking like you're going to blow a gasket. So how was it just getting back into that zone? Oh, gosh. It was like, I'll give you an example. My, My daughter, my middle daughter, took on the responsibility of cleaning out our attic when the coronavirus uh shut us down and here we were in the house and uh you know for the first 14 days we were keeping social distancing going on in the house because god forbid one of us had it Mm -hmm. so she was up there going through boxes that and i've been in this house for 20 years so she she called me up and said hey dad i found a box a big box of suits and it was clothing that i had never opened suits that belonged to me from different movies that i hadn't opened in 20 years And a couple of them were like fantastic. And I I went downstairs and I tried them on and they still fit. And and that's what that felt like when I I went to work and put on that old captain's belt for the, you know, third time. But I'll tell you a little secret. I don't even know if you guys notice it. This is an exclusive for you guys. Okay. Be in your Jersey boys. But the prop guy, uh, you know, I called him and I said, you know, don't forget I'm left-handed. So, you know, we need a left-handed gun. I never pulled a gun in the movie, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's on my head. And then we'll screen the movie 
uh, Bad Boys 2 for everybody to see. And uh, I realized I had decided that Captain Howard was uh, right-handed. So the first two movies, Captain Howard's right-handed. And, and in the third, he's a switch hitter. He's got a left-handed gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So much stress. He just said, you know what, I'm, I'm going the other way. It's not a political statement by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned earlier about knowing Will and, you know, getting to meet Martin and everything. What are some of your favorite moments from working in any of the films? Is there one that in particular sticks out to you? No, you know, it's like you go to work and you're trying, you know, you're you're trying to make something interesting and, you know, and you're relying on your film, your directors, you know, they're going to say, yeah, that's good. Print that, do it again. Uh, You know, so these are long days and you're, you're trying your best, but you're having fun. You know, sometimes you got to make sure you're not having too much fun. But in this situation, I don't worry about that. I just kind of went with it and went with the flow of it and really enjoyed myself in Atlanta uh, and got to meet all these wonderful young actors. And um, working in Atlanta was reminiscent of working in, in Canada in the 90s because everybody's there and uh, and everybody's happy because everybody's got a job. It was it was dynamite. Mm-hmm. Uh, Atlanta is just a great place to live. Do you not shoot out of there often? Uh, I I haven't shot there in a long time. I mean, you're going back, with, but it's you know Atlanta is yeah. the you know East Coast uh, Hollywood now. Yeah, I was I was going to say because I know on a couple of times I've been you know fortunate enough to go to you know set visits for films, and there's one in New Orleans, but the rest of them have been in and around Atlanta. It's a really interesting time for that types of stuff, and I guess it's interesting for you, you know, seeing as that you've you know, been in the industry, you, you've put some time in, so you've seen it change and more of these new hot spots coming in over the decades. Yeah, and I've seen Atlanta grow mm-hmm. over the last 30 years, unrecognizable. Uh, but a lot of my friends are moving to Atlanta because that's where the work is. Yeah. And uh, the cost of living is much greater and, and the restaurants are fantastic. And mm-hmm. my, my wife and I have discussed it uh, Thinking about, you know, the last 10 years of my life, I wouldn't mind spending it there. Mm-hmm. Now, looking back in your career, you've been a part of some really big films with some really big directors. Um, you know, what do those moments stand out to you? You once said, my greatest successes are from somebody else walking away. So what kind of is your process for taking on these characters and, and being like a one of the most sought after character actors? Oh, gosh. You know, I just can't imagine. First of all, You'd be surprised how fast 50 years flies by, you know? Mm-hmm. And I've been making a living as an actor for 40 years, solid. Mm-hmm. That's extraordinary to me. You know, I'm humbled and shocked with gratitude that, that I've been able to be able to do this. Something that I really always wanted to do, got a kick out of doing. And uh, I was doing a play, an off-Broadway play, we were in previews when we got shut down. We were two days prior to opening night. Oh, wow. I was kidding around with the, the guys at work, the kids at work. You know, that uh, I was in a, a triple pop-out trailer on Bad Boys for Life, uh, living in the lap of luxury on, on this enormous studio movie. And, and here I was doing this off-Broadway play, living, you know, on a fold-out cot on the cold floor in a dressing room. There were two cots with six actors. So we had to share our nap. Wow. You know, so 
show business is my life, you know, and it doesn't matter if it's on a big studio movie or, you know, in the basement of some 200 seat theater, it's the experience and the, the fun you have and the misery too. You know, it's like, it's a creative atmosphere. It's a creative thing. You're banging around back and forth, trying to find moments that, that can resonate with an audience. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to have been able to spend my time doing this. Now, across those 40 years, you've played some really memorable characters like uh, in Memento or The Matrix or Bad Boys, of course, or even Ralph Cifaretto on The Sopranos. So I'm wondering, uh, these days at least, who do you get stopped on the street most for? Well, you know, it depends on living in New York. You're going to get the tri-staters that have a real love of The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it depends on who stops you. Young adults uh, who were around in college when Memento came out, you know, the intellectual group uh, really loved that movie. Mm-hmm. The sci-fi folks that adore uh, The Matrix. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just, you never know. It's, uh, listen, I'm always shocked when people stop me, <laughs> you know, to this day. You, think, you get up in the morning and you go buy a paper and they go, hey, Joey Pants. And you go like, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Have there been any instances where it's like, uh, uh, have you been surprised at all when you've been stopped by somebody about a particular character in a, in a film or a show that you've done? What I'm most surprised by is when I run across, because I don't really watch my stuff, mm-hmm. you know, so if I'm flipping through channels and I see something that I'm in and I'm like, holy Christ, that kid reminds me of me. And then I realize <laughs> it is me. <laughs> or, you know, you're watching a scene and you're going, I don't remember. Andy Davis, who I did three movies with, sent me uh, a copy of Steel Big, Steel Little I did with Alan Arkin and Andy Garcia years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I always kid him that I, I never understood that movie. So he sent me a copy. He says, listen, now that you got time, this is a great movie. You should look at it. And you're, you're terrific in it. My, my family, I said, hey, let's watch this movie. And I, I'm looking at scenes that I don't remember ever even shooting. Wow. You know, I'm, I'm in situations. I mean, in this movie, I, there's a whole sequence where I'm in drag. I'm disguised <laughs> as a woman. Full makeup. I don't remember doing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Good movie. If anybody wants to watch a good movie, it's very topical of what we're going through now. It's called Steel Big, Steel Little. Okay. Andy Garcia is brilliant in it. Alan Arkin, Rachel Tinkerton. Yeah, it's a dynamite movie. You mentioned you don't normally watch your stuff. And I was reading that you had said that you actually had never watched The Sopranos. Are you like your biggest critic? Or you just you just always never wanted to watch things after you've completed them? I've seen some episodes of The Sopranos uh, that I was in. But, mm. I, but I also saw some of the episodes of The Sopranos. But I never had HBO. I mean, is the okay. reason, real reason. But also, it was not something I wanted my kids to see, mm-hmm. you know, That's frankly. Yeah. But, um, you know, I just, I just am not a fan of myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Billy Wilder used to say, some of my movies I load less than others. <laughs> and uh, you know, some of my performances I load less than others. So then, I mean, so who would you say, what, what are the ones that you load the least? Okay, well, that's a great question. Um, I really get a kick out of Bound. But I like Bound the movie. Yes. I really like the movie a lot. Mm-hmm. And I really like uh, Midnight Run. And I, I just think it's fantastic how, how it holds up. Because a lot of films that I'm in, are it, they kind of get dated. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of them, 
stand the test of time. Uh, you know, The Fugitive is another one that I really like. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one I just recently did called From the Vine that I shot in Italy. Mm-hmm. That that's kind of a feel-good comedy fable, almost. That that I think is lovely, and that's coming out in June. The Goonies. Mm-hmm. So the memories, you know, the, the way movies were made and the way that we made that movie was just adorable. Um, just a lot of great memories of, mm-hmm. you know, eating great meals with incredibly interesting mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Um, speaking of my, my recent Sopranos rewatches, I've never looked it up, but it's one thing I've always wanted to know. Um, in the scene right before uh, Tony attacks you in the kitchen, you were making eggs. And it's going to sound so random. Was that egg recipe with like the sour cream and stuff, was that yours or was that something that was in the script? I don't it, it, it certainly wasn't mine. Okay. I don't remember. I mean, it's a long time ago. Yeah. But I, I'm sure it was in the script. Okay. Yeah, I, I remember thinking, who puts sour cream in eggs? Well, that, that's why I remember it. And, and I didn't know if that was like something you were just, you know, messing around and did or what. But uh, that's good. That, that satisfies something that's always been nagging at me every time I watch that episode. <laughs> I'm glad that I could straighten that out for you. <laughs> So, you know, Cal was actually rewatching The Sopranos not too long ago, and he and I were talking about Ralph. And it made me wonder, you know, looking at Ralph and, and Teddy and Memento and, of course, Cypher and the Matrix, do you get an extra kick when you play like a shady character in some of these roles? Well, you know, they're, they're, they're so complicated. They're the most interesting characters to play. Uh, you know, they're fun. You get to get even with all of the bullies in your life. I got to resurrect unresolved traumatic experiences from my childhood with people that did me wrong and I didn't have the courage to stand up for myself then. And then, you know, in these imaginary situations, I could replicate that mm-hmm. and sublimate those feelings and what I wanted to say and put them into the mouth, you know, they put those emotions coupled with the words that the author gives me and I got to get even that way. Almost, almost therapeutic in a way. Yeah, I would say so. All right, Joe, I think that's our time. I want to thank you for taking the time out to uh, to speak with us, as well as, you know, just, you know, what you've contributed in the world of uh, television and film. Thank you. Thank you, fellas, and stay safe, and God bless you. You too. Take care. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. All right, welcome back. That was a uh, a fun conversation with Joey Pants. You can definitely tell that uh Man's is just chilling. Yeah, it was real. It was real cloth talk. Yeah, our turn from Khaled. <laughs> you know, just the OG wisdom on us. Yeah, yeah, good guy. Uh, hopefully, again, Bad Boys for Life is out now. You can pick that up on demand. I believe uh, Blu-ray is at the end of the month if you're able to actually leave your house. Um, but yeah, phenomenal film. Great way to uh, cap off his character, and you know, a, a fun conversation to boot. R.I.P. Before we get out of here, um, Fraser, do you have any Rona recommends this week? 
Yeah, so we updated our TV list. So you can head to that if you want like a more comprehensive guide to like some gems that are on all the various streaming services out there. But I'm going to switch mine up for a week and not kowtow to just what's on streaming services. Word. Because that's easy. Yes. So I don't know what made me think of this show again. Something we were talking about, Eliza Dushku, though. Like the caveat is I don't know where you can find this show. Okay. But, you know, that's what we're here for, for like the out-of-the-box suggestions too, as well as the easy shit that's on Netflix. Of course. So, if I mean, people were streaming before Netflix anyway, before Netflix went mainstream. Talk about it. So if you can find it, it's definitely worth a watch. It's um, this Eliza Dushku show called True Calling. Okay. It's one of those shows where it's like, it came out in like the early aughts, and you look at today, and it would have been like a huge, not a huge hit, but it like would have definitely survived in a stronger period because people are less discerning about like weird shit and like super mainstream ratings and all that shit. Word. I'll tell you how old it is. It's like 2003 or something. Zach Galifianakis is her boss. What? And he's like, not, it's the most straightforward, driest role. Just a random chilling. Like he's not funny at all. That's crazy. Okay. Okay. I'm with it. She's a morgue attendant. Mm -hmm. And uh, she has this ability when dead bodies roll in, the body like shoots up and asks her for help and then her day rewinds and then she has to like solve some kind of mystery to save the person or like not save the person do some other thing that they need closure for it's like a really dope procedural twist i feel like i've either seen this show or seen a show on freeform that was very similar that's what i'm saying like freeform now could like shoot out a million of those but back then the show went on like one and a half seasons it got to a season two and i think it got like capped in the middle gotcha but uh it's super dope spin on like the procedural format and then they bring in like jason Priestley (laughs) as this guy who yeah right they bring in jason Priestley as this guy who like figures out what she's doing but is like morally opposed to it Mm. like he thinks she's like upsetting the nature so it's like you get to know like a really fun cat and mouse shit gotcha the Queen Eliza Dushku deserve better. Facts. You know what else deserves better and more attention? And I said it on Twitter the other day, and I mentioned it earlier in this podcast, but if y'all not watching Better Call Saul, don't talk to me about being a fan of Breaking Bad if you're not deeply entrenched in what's going on in Better Call Saul. And I'm I, taking this as a shot because I, you know that I'm not entrenched. I've not mentioned any names. <laughs> Not at all, but I I will like because I, I the main knock which I totally understand is the show is slow. It takes a while to get go. Trust it is. I think for Breaking Bad, which is a show that kind of by I would say towards the end of season two, definitely by the beginning of season three, it was like firmly in a pace. He knew exactly you know where it was going and how tense it was going to be um, because there's. We know the end game for what Saul Goodman is, but Vince and company have really done a good job of taking their time with let not only just exposing you to how far this guy's had to go morally and how that's affected his character and what he started to do, but you're also just getting like damn good television out of it as well. You know, Rhea Seahorn playing his uh, girlfriend, Kim Wexler, has been phenomenal hyping her up she's been doing phenomenal work i think the big problem i and i I remember writing about this at the beginning of season two 
go back in the archives on complex.com. But you, the feeling is that what's going to put Saul over the edge is something happened in the homegirl. Like she's been his constant throughout the entire series, you know, closer and further away, depending on, you know, what's been going on. And I think it feels like this season's going to culminate in something crazy. It's the, it's the fifth season. They're only doing six. They've already announced wow. it. So, uh, you know, if, if you're, if you, ha- if you are not doing anything during the quarantine, the first, you know, batch of seasons are on Netflix, figure out a way to get caught up. Cause I think the shit's about to go down. And, uh, if, if you don't care about spoilers, Hey, do you, like, I can't warn you any more than that. I have a feeling that something I haven't even watched the spoil the the screeners yet of, of what we have. It's just I have a feeling that something crazy is about to go down. So uh that would be my Damn. recommend if you have nothing See, else to do. I watched season one and two and then like you said, it's not I'm not, I don't use slow as a bad word, but I just kind of like fell off from it. Like it didn't feel urgent. Yeah. And then, you know, apparently season three is when the shit started heating up and I just never got back to it. But it's one of those shows where, like, I'll let the cue build up a little bit on it. And that's what I did this past week. I had maybe four episodes or five episodes to go. And because once I start watching, I can't stop. I'll do three episodes of Better Call Saul to clip, Um, especially again, especially the way that uh, Vince and company know how to craft these arcs. Everything. Bruh. Just all right. So. All right, I'll end it with this then, because we have to. This deserves its own episode for us to get into. But all this Better Call Saul talk has me thinking of Breaking Bad, and um, you mentioned that the early seasons are on Netflix. There's another new Netflix Ooh. show that we have to break down. Uh-oh. Ozark. Oh boy, is probably like the buzziest Netflix show in a while. Yeah. Season three just dropped. I stopped watching in season two. I haven't watched season three yet, but I never started. There's a lot of Ozark greater than sign breaking bad talk going on in the timeline so but i mean from what you've watched are i mean is that is that cap cap huge cap. i had a feeling and and it, again no, no disrespect to jason bateman he i actually applaud him and what he's been able to do with his career especially over the last like decade or so i'm really Facts. dope work but i maybe i'm a stand maybe i'm a stand for breaking bad but i find it hard to believe well, I'm going to catch up on both, and then we'll come in and do the, the deciding factor. Those are hour-long episodes? They are. They don't tend to go over. Like, some Netflix shows abuse the, you know, the, that, the yeah. no time restraint thing. I think most Ozark episodes come in, like, 40, 50 minutes. Damn. Okay. All right. we'll, we'll have to pick this conversation back up, maybe around the end of uh, Better Call Saul. It'll be a good discourse, since uh, I don't think you'll be three seasons deep in, like, two weeks. You never know. We quarantined. <laughs> we'll figure that out at another time. Um, that's going to do it for us this week. Again, thank you, Joey Pants, for coming through. Uh, Bad Boys for Life available on demand now at your Blu-ray dealer soon. Um, watch less. We normally drop every Wednesday morning. Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, please subscribe, like, rate, comment, do all that stuff. Share it with a friend. Let them know that you're rocking with us and why. Um, if you want to keep up with us, we're at at Complex Pop on Twitter and Instagram. Please get in on the conversation. We are always having one. Why? Because we're watching everything and trying to figure out what the fuck y'all even care about. Uh, we'll catch on next week for Fraser Tharp, the Summer Man. I'm Cal, advising you as always: stay inside, 
wash your goddamn hands, tune in, and watch less. Watch Less is hosted by Fraser Tharp and myself, Cal. Our producer is Taliba Newman. Our associate producer and sound engineer is Jasmine Blatter. Our editor is Tyler Boltheis. Our production manager is Chancel Correa. Talent booker is Anthony Allred. Our junior booker is Austin Bailey. Our director of talent relations is Kristen Price Harrell. Senior director of operations is Jen Stewart. Watch Less is a part of the Complex Podcast Network. <laughs>